Today, we have reached part seven in our series, and we've got to Ephesians chapter three, the last few verses, 14 to 21 in chapter three. And this is a prayer, and this is a prayer that all of us would love Paul to pray over us, I can promise you. And today, I'm going to look at this prayer, and my goal for today is that all of us would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and all of us will be filled with all the fullness of God. Does that sound good? Would you like that? Okay, well, we'll see if we can achieve that goal today. Uh, very quickly, the story so far, part one, the epic poem that opens Ephesians, one long sentence, um, amazing, exquisite jewel of a sentence that's poetic. And then Paul's prayer, which we're going to reference a bit today at the beginning. Um, and then we have... Joins to Jesus, the central teaching about salvation, how we are connected inseparably to Jesus who rescues us. And uh, then week four, new identity, and we had an identity card. Um, then we looked at uh, week five, Christ has broken down the walls, um, the separates the different groups, particularly Jew and Gentile, and he's taken on himself that hostility. And then uh, last time, God has now revealed the secret hidden through the ages that the unity of his people will break the power of darkness. And this unity is not just between Jew and Gentile, but the unity throughout his people will be something that is, is going to be amazing. So this week, we're going to look at this prayer and it's really uh, basically three parts. It's got um, uh, first the, the prayer. I said three prayers, but actually it's three parts of one prayer. And then there's praise at the end. So he prays for three things, and then he goes into a praise at the end. So I'm going to take those three, se those three sections in a praise, and that's going to be basically the outline, taking the outline from the passage. Before we look at the text, Paul is reaching the midpoint here of his letter. And the first half is building foundations, laying the foundations for the work. And the second half is directions for life that are built on those foundations. And he, open, he takes a moment to close the first half with a, a prayer that particularly we would actually really grasp these foundations so that we'll be able to go and build the stuff on top of that he's going to lay for us. So um, this the foundation that he's laying, he's praying that we will get, really has got three things. It's got prayer for power, prayer for love, and prayer for strength to grasp these truths. And I'm going to take you now to read the scriptures. We're going to now look at the scriptures, and this is the part where I take you through the passage for today. I'll explain the, 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 uh, the colors. Um, we've got here at the top here the main prayer, and that goes down to there. That's the prayer, and then here we have the praise at the end. And this prayer, he starts off by um, bowing his knees and saying he's going to pray. And then he gives three items. We have a that. We have another this down here, that there. 
and we have a third that. So three points in the prayer, and the colors are, there's, the purple is references to love, and the, the gold, orangey gold there is a reference to power. And those are the two themes that are coming through. So I'm going to read this through now, and then we'll look at it in more detail. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every group in heaven and on earth is named, that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory, with power to be strengthened through his spirit in your inner being. Now, I've, by the, my, this is my translation, and I'm, I'm actually keeping the word order of the original Greek here because some of the things don't quite come through if you switch it around to make it flow easily in English. And he begins this expression with power at the beginning, with power to be strengthened. Usually we'd say to be strengthened with power, but if you put the power at the beginning, it kind of gives it more of a punch. And that's how the original is, with power to be strengthened through his spirit in your inner being, for Christ to dwell through faith in your hearts, in love being rooted and grounded. And the second prayer, that you may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And the third one, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who has the power to do all things more far more abundantly than we ask or think, according to the power that works mightily within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So let's go through then in some detail in this. And I'm going to, uh, going to show you like a, a brief outline of how this prayer works. Uh, he starts off by saying, I kneel before God and pray. It's interesting. There's very few places we read about posture for prayer. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you must pray like this. Often in the Old Testament, we read people kneeling to pray because it's an attitude of worship. But sometimes Jesus stood when he prayed. Sometimes he looked to heaven when he prayed. Here, Paul is kneeling before God. And he says, this is something he's saying I do regularly. It's not a one-off. This is what I do when I pray for you. This is my prayer for you. It's interesting that uh, I've, I, you know, I try praying in different postures, and when you're praying, when you kneel, it does affect your body, affects the way you think. And I would suggest try praying in different postures. Try praying like this, and try kneeling down and praying, and see how that affects your heart as you pray. There's no one way of doing it, but I suggest try different ways and different kinds of prayer. Um, and actually, as I was preparing the sermon, I, I prayed, Lord, give me a message. And I thought I should go and kneel down and ask God for the message for today and just implore that he would give it to me in this attitude of submission and, and humility. So he kneels before God and prays. And he mentions, he, bring, he 
points out that he's kneeling, I think, for the purpose of um, of conveying this idea to us. And um, then uh, he says three things that he would give you. And there's two parts to the prayer, power in your inner being and Christ's love and presence in your hearts. So there's power, we'll receive power and we'll receive love and presence. Then he prays that you would grasp the truth of two things, the truth of the greatness of the God who promises these things, in other words, power, and the truth of the love that surpasses knowledge. Those two things again. And then he says, as a result, the, first, the last that is that as a result, you'd be filled up with God. So that's uh, an outline of the prayer here. And let's go through in a little bit more detail now. Um, so verse 14 here, um, that's um, the, the position in prayer. And I've already, really talked about that. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. And then he goes on to, on verse 15, from whom every group in heaven and on earth is named. Some translations you may read say every family. That's the word could be used not just to families, but of any kind of grouping. And here he's talking about groups in heaven, and it's not families that have gone to heaven. This is about groups of powerful entities, spiritual beings. And every being, whether it's good or evil, in earth or in heaven, he is over. And when it says is named, they're named. It's a, it's the idea is that to name something is a position of of strength. Um, so, for example, um, in in uh, one of the Psalms, it says uh, Psalm one forty seven. He names the stars. God names the stars. So it's this position like God is above. God actually knows their names. He's he is above everything. So uh, that's uh, verses fourteen and fifteen. Now we come to these three requests. And the first one then to receive uh, God's power and love. So let's just look at that then, uh, that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory with power to be strengthened through his spirit. And uh, once again, the Trinity is woven into Ephesians. We've seen this before. The Spirit, the Father, the Son woven together, and it's um, very strong support for believing this truth. Um, strengthened through His Spirit in your inner being. Um, you know, where would you like to be strengthened? I would like God to strengthen me in my inner being more than anywhere else, like right in who I am, just to have that strength, because that's where everything flows from. This core of who I am to be strengthened with God. That is beautiful. And um, then, then uh, the next thing that we come to is verse 17. And it says uh, that Christ in our hearts rooted and grounded in love. Christ to dwell your, through faith in your hearts, rooted and grounded in love. Um, now, isn't God already dwelling in your heart if you're a Christian? Isn't that the case? So what is it talking about here? God is in our hearts. That's, how, that's what being a Christian is. Uh, 
what it's saying, I think, is that we can have Christ in our hearts, but it doesn't mean that he that he ha, ha, is in every room of our hearts. Like he's not taken over every part of us. There's still parts that, you know, we don't really allow God into that part. And this is saying like every part of you be filled with God and uh, living in you. Um, and this lovely image here, it says in love, rooted and grounded. And this is an, a, an plant's a plant image and a construction image. So the plant is, imagine a tree and it's planted next to a, a, a river of love and it sticks its roots down and it can just suck this love in. And this is what you ought to be like. This is, this is pool of love, of God's love, and you can just put your roots into it and just suck that love in. It's a beautiful idea of just pulling that in, rooted in God's love. We someone it talks about the the um, the uh, man who's who person who's planted by the rivers of water, and this is this is even more. This is planted by the love of Christ, and the second one grounded. Actually, uh, a literal translation would be foundationed, although that isn't a word. But it's with our foundations built, and it's the same word as Jesus uses in the parable of building your house on the rock and the sand and this is your house on the rock but it's not on a rock here it's on love and so what does it mean if your house is built on the love of christ what does that actually mean it means so solid your 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 appreciation your connection with his love is so solid that that it it enables you to do all of these things so I want you to just take those two images in. Um, the image of, of, of the love of God being like this, what you can put your roots into and just draw your sustenance from, and also your foundation that you're built on. And your strength comes from that. Those are lovely images that he gives us there uh, for, the, for this prayer. And, um, and so... But but uh, uh, so so let's let's. Um, I think what we're going to do is we'll we'll just take a moment just to think about this prayer here, and I want to ask you: Is this a good prayer or what? Is this a prayer that you would like for Paul to pray for you? Yeah, is this a good prayer? And you know, I think one of the takeaways today is going to be from this passage is how we pray for one another. This is a pattern prayer for how you and I can pray for one another now. Do you want to do that? Yeah, and you can receive it right now from, from one another. So um, w uh, let's, let's do this right now. And um, I want you to, you can either pray for the person who's next to you or you can pray for someone who's, if you're not next to anybody, you can just pray for someone else you can think of. So just think of who you're going to pray for right now. Anne, you can pray for me and I'll pray for you, okay? <laughs> okay. You don't have to be here. You can stay there. You can stay there. It's all right. <laughs> it's okay. So listen, what we're going to do, now you'll see how this is going to work. What we're going to do, think of the name, and I'm going to, I'm going to, um, Let's go move on to this. There we go. I'm going to say this uh, this prayer, 
and we're all going to pray aloud together. And and where those dot dot dots, you can put the name of the person in. You didn't have to say them aloud, but you have to have the person in your heart. So let's pray this together, shall shall we? Uh, dear Father, I pray that you would grant Anne to be strengthened with your power in her inner being, for her roots to go deep into your love and love to be the foundation. Is that good? Would you like that prayer answered? Yeah. So this is a uh, really, really core prayer. And, and like I say, Paul is, is using this prayer as the transition point from the first half of Ephesians to the second. The first half is what we're built on, and the second is what actually what this is going to look like in our lives. And we can't do the second unless we have the first. We actually have to have it there to do it. So let's. that was my first point, the first prayer. Let's look at where we're up at. Um, a and one there, and now we're going to look at two that you would grasp the truth of these two things, and then we'll end. We're looking at three, so let's go back to our passage then and look at this second that. The second that that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Um, so now from praying that they will receive, he switches to praying they may even get a glimpse of what is available. They will actually understand what is available. In other words, they'll know the truth about what God is like, what's there. Jesus said, you do not have because you do not ask. And we don't ask God because we don't really think he has the power to do it. And so the prayer that we know the extent of God's power will help us to pray because then we'll know what is available to us. Do you have any idea how big his love is or how big his power is? Do you? I don't. I don't. I can't grasp it. But this is the prayer that we should grasp it and we should get more to it. Um, now, uh, so let's look at this expression here to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. Now, some translations will actually join that up to the next one and say this is this is the breadth and depth and height and length of, uh, of Christ's love. But actually, um, the Greek doesn't really support that. It's broader than that. It includes the love, but it's not just God's love. It's more God himself, everything about God. Now, it's interesting. Why is it four dimensions? Usually, you measure, you measure a height and length and breadth. You don't have a fourth dimension. Why is that? Um, I think because it's not a physical object. Lots of physical objects in the Bible, from the ark right through to the temple, are measured in those three dimensions, but there's not for here. Yeah? Okay. An iceberg, you see a bump, and yeah, you see depth underneath. That's true. There is one place in the Bible where four dimensions are given. 
And he may be referencing this, I don't know, but I'm going to quote it for you because it's it fits in very, very closely if he's referencing it. Job 11. But, oh, that God would speak and open his lips to you. Can you find out the deep things of God? Can you find out the limit of the Almighty? It is higher than heaven. What can you do? Deeper than Sheol, that's the grave. What can you know? Its measure is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. And Job goes on to say, and he's the one who's not going to make you pay for your trespasses, who's not going to exact the price for your sin because of his grace. And so I would say that this is a pretty good, if, if he's not quoting this, it's a pretty good parallel. This is God, and this is this image of these four dimensions. But what I would say is, more than that, is that this image here is the idea that everything about God is so great that, um, well, how can we get it? How can we get it? Well, he prays that we will. So this is the, the, um, the, the contrast in the passage, that this is impossible, this is unknowable, yet he prays that we will. How can he pray for something which is unknowable? Because the Spirit can give us some sort of insight. The Spirit can give us a glimpse. And just having a glimpse will take us into a place of no fear, a place of, of just transcendent joy. And so uh, I'm going to take you back right now to, um, to chapter 1, where we have a very similar prayer at the beginning making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance, the holy ones, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. According to the working of the might of his strength, which he worked in Christ, raising him from the dead. So what's interesting here is that um, he switched here from prayer one is that we receive the love and the power, and prayer two then is that we'll get a glimpse of how big it is, the, the, the source that we are receding from. And that's, that's rather lovely that he should do that. And I think that as we do that, we're like, more likely to have confidence in our prayers. And so um, let's, uh, let's go to, there we go. Um, then we have um, the next verse, which is, which is uh, the third prayer. And this is the third bit, and it's just very short, so I'll just put it on the screen here. And the third, the third that is that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. It's just a single line, but it is the deepest of them all. I want you to think about this. What does this even mean? To be filled with all the fullness of God. 
But back in 2018, I preached a three-part series on this idea of being filled with the fullness of God because it is so important. And I will cover this in much more detail in weeks to come because it is such a huge thing. It seems too big. Um, God's very essence, God's essence filling us, like God himself filling us. What is this? Um, the, the early church made a big thing of this. The early church, this was very important for us, for them, the idea of being God-filled. Um, and it's kind of, uh, people got scared, it was too much, and it's tended to drop out of, um, of, the, of teaching and the way people thought of Christianity. But I believe that in summary, what this means is this. If you're a Christian, you're a child of God. You are God is your father, but you actually carry some of his essence because you're born from above. You're born of him. And so you have some of his DNA. And in Corinthians 1 Corinthians 15, Paul contrasts the first Adam who was born of dust with the second Adam, Jesus, who was born of spirit and says that we are born of spirit. So the very stuff our new creation selves are made of is the stuff of God. Think of that. Adam was made of the stuff of this earth, atoms, molecules, and so on, and we've got the bodies made from this earth. But this new creation that we have is actually made from the spirit. This is, what, what does this mean? We're actually like, we're made from the stuff of God? Well, yes, this doesn't mean to say that we are divine. Uh, no way are we going to go there. That's the, the Mormon heresy and other heresies say that we're divine. No, but nevertheless, we are children of God in a way that we don't really grasp. And, and in First John, John says, if you are born of God, you will love because the fa your father loves. So in other words, you actually have some of him in you because you have his DNA and you will do that. And what this verse is talking about here, I believe, is actually living out the, the God who we are made from, this, this relationship that we have that is not just, oh, you're a Christian now, you're in a different category, you're forgiven. No, you are made of new stuff. And living that out is being filled with all the fullness of God. This is something that angels don't have. This is something that, that in the Old Testament, they hadn't reached yet. But this is something that we have for eternity and is, I believe, the most exciting thing about, about being a Christian, about who we are. And so I want to say then that, that this last prayer is the pinnacle of the prayer. And the last prayer is just a jewel, and it's going to be expanded a bit more, particularly in the next chapter. But this is a jewel being filled with all the fullness of God. And um, so I could say a lot more, but I'm going to move on now. And I'm going to have another prayer that we can pray together. We're going to pray both of those, the second and third, together now. And uh, I'm going to pray, um, we're going to pray the breadth and length prayer, knowing the love prayer, and being filled with the fullness prayer. Are you up for that? Okay, let's go for it then, shall we? Dear Father, uh, I pray that you would give some idea of the breadth and length and height and depth of your power and love, and to know your love for them that surpasses knowledge.
and to be filled, and for them to be filled with all your fullness. Well, would you like that answered for you? Yeah, yeah. So let's uh, move on to the, the, uh, the last bit now. By the way, that passage that we've been reading um, is all one sentence so far. And then it, the last bit we're going to come to now, the praise, is the second sentence. So we've looked at um, power in your inner being, Christ's love and presence. And then the second prayer, your grasp the truth of his greatness, love that surpasses knowledge. And then the third part, filled up with God. And now we're going to come to this last part. And the last part here, verses 20 and 21. Now to him who has the power to do all things far more abundantly. Most translations say now to him who is able, but actually the word is power, and it's the same word as later on in this verse. So I'm using the literal translation. To him who has the power to do all things far more abundantly than we ask or think, according to the power that works mightily within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And this is, a, this is just an extraordinary um, way of ending this, this uh, sermon. And uh, I just want to point out that here, he's actually said power there, and then far more abundantly, far more is another like power word, and then abundantly is a power word. And so in the original, he's piling up these words for power and for strength and what God's going to do. And uh, he's, he says, to this God who can do all of these things, we want him to be glorified. We want to praise his name. We want to praise his name forever. He, and now we're focusing on him, not on ourselves. He deserves praise for all generations. He deserves it. He is worthy because of what he's done for us. Do you agree? Is God worthy of praise for what he's, do you want to praise him now for what he's done for us? Well, we're going to praise him in just a moment because what he's done for us is, is just amazingly wonderful. Um, so before we leave, um, there's just one thing that I want to, to point out that I noticed. When I noticed the uh, three parts to Paul's prayer, the part that the prayer for power, the prayer for love, and the prayer that we would understand the truth of how these things belong to us, it rang a bell. And uh, remember, New Life Church's goal, this is, our, this is our motto statement. I cut and pasted this from the website. Our goal is to see God's kingdom come in Toronto, demonstrating the love of the Father, the truth of Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I didn't get that from this passage. I got that from other places because this is actually a big theme in the Bible. So, uh, I, and I think it's a good summary to take in that if we have all those three things, we've got God's love, we're soaking in his love. Um, we know, we, we're confident of the truth of this and the Spirit's power is empowering us. What more do we need? This is the, the totality of everything that we want and everything that we could have. So I'm going to um, close then by reading this, this praise at the end, and uh, we're going to then worship God in song. So let's then finish by reading 
together, and maybe all of us can read this together. Um, let's slide this down. Here we go. Let's all read verses 20 and 21 together there, shall we? Now to him who has the power to do all things far more abundantly than we ask or think, according to the power that works mightily within us, to him be the glory of the, in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So let me just close in prayer. Father, I come before you now. I raise my hands to you, asking God that for each of us here, we will be strengthened with power through your spirit in our inner being. I pray that, that Jesus will dwell through faith in our hearts and will be rooted and grounded in this love. And I pray, God, that each of us will have the strength to comprehend the, the, the extraordinary scale of what you have, your, your height, your depth, your breadth, your length. And we will know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And that we will have a glimpse of it. And Lord, we pray that each one of us here will be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen. And I just want you to say, I didn't say this, but at the end of the prayer, it says amen. And you know, in biblical times, amen wasn't something the person praying said. It was the something that the congregation said. So I want us to do this together for, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. 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 Yeah, amen. So.